Um, just keeping time. It's a real gift to get to be here, and um, thank you for your introduction, which is encouraging. I've been thinking a lot about that, the word courage um, and encouraging, so it truly is. Um, and I'm going to read some poems. Thanks for being here. Thanks for <laughs> what you did to come here. Um, I was looking for something more joyful, but this is what I'm working on. So this is what feels urgent. I'm going to read um, a few poems from <coughs> a cycle. And I have a note for that. And then a few poems um, that are part of a different series. And they're all, almost all newish. Um, it's estimated that over 20,000 people have died at sea making the journey from North Africa to Europe in the past two decades. On October 3rd, 2013, it was estimated that 300 people died at sea off the coast of Lampedusa, so many of you might remember that, um, and Italy. The phenomenon of people traveling on small boats across the Mediterranean to Europe is age old and involves issues of asylum as well as migration. Those on board the boat that sank off Lampedusa were nearly all Eritrean, and many are likely to have been in need of international protection. That's a quote from Adrian Edwards' UN Refugee Agency. And I just want to say um, it is and isn't important that many of them are Eritrean, obviously. Um, um, is It is important because it's just a story that I know a little more about because my father is from Eritrea. And so the cycle, the cycle focuses on that history, um, but of course it's a much larger history. <coughs> on poetry and history, after Joy Harjo. On a panel of men who spoke about history and poetry, she sat quietly for much of it. They, the men, were saying strong things, good things, but in authoritative voices, voices that knew they knew things, and she remained the only quiet one. She listened as if she weren't listening. Her face looked forward. Her quiet seemed distant. It had a straight back. And then she interrupted one of the men and said something like, that reminds me of the time. And she spoke of a fellow Native American teacher in her region who committed suicide near the end of one of the years and how he must have been hurting and isolated and in pain. But not many people spoke about that, or spoke about his death or their loss when he died. It was swept under the rug. That was the phrase she used. And she said she was at home one day and looking out of the window, and she noticed a black thread or string there floating in the frame. And she observed it for a while, floating there, until she realized that that black string was grief. The grief of the professor, the grief of the students, her own grief, the grief of silence, a historical grief, and that she knew that it was her job to take that thread and put it somewhere, weave it into the larger tapestry. 
She made a gesture then, as if that tapestry were just above her head. She said it was her job to put that grief in its place, or else someone else, some child or grown person, would be out walking and just walk right into it, without knowing what it was they'd walked into, what they had then inherited in a way, what they were then carrying and feeling, the danger of that, the grief of that. And that was what she said about poetry and history, and that is all I remember from all of the things that were said that entire day. King Leopold II was the founder of the Belgian Congo. His regime was responsible for two to 15 million Congolese deaths. In the Congo, there are wooden statues, bodies covered in spikes and nails. Each nail, it is tradition, marks a wound and promises retaliation. I think of King Leopold and how he lived for 10 decades and how his country and children lived and how the Congo dies still, fertile and green with the dead and trees and army. These statues did not work the way the maker imagined, the way I would imagine. Today, just over a hundred years later, hundreds and hundreds of these bodies stand in museums, in books, on shelves, the dark wooden bodies swollen with the rusted and silver scales of nails, grief and wounds on display. The black docent, is he me? explains, the coins we pay to view them will not ever go back to the dead and will not go to the living descendants. In their cases, the figures gleam like fishes. On another continent, on the radio, a man listens to a Tigrinya song, repeat and repeat, Eritreans do not deserve to be fishes. No one does, and yet again, it is you on that ship, stuttering across the sea. You have placed it on the scale of the ocean, weighing life against life. And again, you lose, are shimmering with the silver sorrow of a thousand griefs. It is October 2013. Off the coast of Lampedusa, the Italian fishermen whose grandfathers nearly a hundred years ago barred our grandfathers from our grandfathers' land and streets, in whose armies our grandfathers fought against the beautiful bodies of their own neighbors. These grandfathers meet again through you and the fishermen who, some of them, pull you from the sea, who some of them watch you drown out of ruined heart, out of fear. Jesus, Mary who forgive us, who forgive the fishermen, their motionless hands, you are the ugliest trick. This is um, part of a letter to um, the dead. Beloveds, 
beneath the surface of your last place. The tiny, oblivious fishes form wreaths above the sea grasses and their long reach. Some mornings in my own city far away, I run to greet you come to me as sea and carry myself out into your long, dark time like a child meeting its older cousins. I touch your teeth and give you the single word of my body. I am a woman again at the side of Aboy Haile's bed, Aboy who is 96. He is brushing my acacia hair. He is holding my arm. He says, moving his hand to mean all around us, that this is my home. He means Adisogdo, but he also means the world. Though I think in America that I am there and he is here, that we are different or far, really we are each other. My bones are your bones, he says. His teeth are my teeth and my smiling is his smiling. He holds my arm tight until it is a stone, a bone. He smooths my hair with force. I am a horse, the long, dark skin of the water, the talk, talking aboy of the water, the brushing back, brushing back my acacia hair, washing my face. When we are done, I cross the sea back into air and return to the traffic of the streets I know. I am marked by the dead, your sea letters of salt and weeping. Now I am ready to lay myself down on the earth, to listen to the instructions for how to talk of love and land, to sing of home in the horrible years, and to fill my language like the stars do with the light anyway of a future tense. Um, this is in the voice of um, Luam. There are four or five Luams in the cycle, and Luam, Luam is a name. Um, and they're different, um, the Luams are different women who are living at the same time in different places um, in Eritrea and then in the diaspora. So this one um, is in. Um, Oh no, this one is in all three places. Um, Italy, Asmara, and New York. And she's surrounded by flies. It was the end of the world. The world was ending. I sat in my house with the flies. Though the night was dense, was long, we tried to wait for light to last. But the wind at the doors, and darkness knuckled, flashed its teeth. Outside the other houses, outside the solitary field, tall singularity of the mama tree. What was strong was raised, what was alone. I thought we would, plural, survive, but I saw the deaths of flies. I watched them clean their wings and faces, then die in the night watching quietly out and looking, facing it. Morning, I saw them at the windows as though remembering the green last world, 
their legs curled in the syllable of struggle or sleep. I counted six ahs who died in the night, whose sounds died in degrees. Trying to learn, I picked them gently up by their wings and studied, then placed the six onto one white plate. Six corpses or comas, six I tried to see but took to the window and poured them out for the dirt and rosemary. If I were moored to place, if I had believed that this would always be my home, if I were to be lucky one day, their descendants would be mine, would handle my death too, with their small legs, yellow mouths, and wound hungers. Powerless to brush them from my teeth and eyes, I'd be bright, finally, with their taking. A city of eggs, a harvest, an and, the emerald signage of bodies. I would be a kind of port or harbor, finally them again. the Asusenas. Ambesa, I have to tell you, Ambesa, which you'll hear at the end, is um, it means lion in Tigrinya, and it's um, something, people are named Ambesa, rarely, but it's also something that you say if somebody's like got a lot of courage or strength or works hard at something. I've heard there's a little girl um, in in our family town who um, was selling these little coffee makers and she's like real like industrious little girl um, and every time we would pass her my dad would say Ambesa, Ambesa so it's like I love the Asusenas so bring them to you Embeles in August from Alem's hands Alem who is the best seller I love the rain when it is hot and raining and the color of beets, the color of shiro in the kitchen jar, the sound of bees, the word worky and the word shukor, and the slow high flight of the soccer ball, and the water sound of my love's guitar. There is also your face that I love, your face a red and gorgeous word in a long sentence of a long story. And I love the large silence of the baobab tree the quiet of the desert quiet, the red and laughing mouths of the bougainvillea. I love the pepper and the hay, the nervous hunger of the fat squirrel with his hand on his heart, so bring them to you. And I bring to you my father or yours, someone you loved anyway, who was older, saying over the water, Ambesa, Ambesa, as if you could hear him as if you were still a you. <laughs> I'm shifting gears a little bit, or I'm leaving that cycle, um, I think. At 13, when I first bled, came the knowledges. In the domestic space 
of Aunt M's laundry room to the work work of the washer and dryer. Surrounded by the hangers and sheets and clothes, my mother warned me of everything. This is my fear, this is my fear, this is my fear, this is my fear, she said. And later, my pecan-colored brother heading to work after dark in a once burning city with friends in beautiful dark-skinned skins who were also boys and almost men over the telephone. This is my fear, this is my fear, this is my fear, she said. For she loved us and warning us was what she knew in this country loving should be. Does anybody um, remember Boys to Men, the Cooley High Harmony um, <laughs> album? Um, do you remember the countdown? <laughs> 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> Injection, fellas. Yeah. So, um, Cooley High, Fifth Estrangement, 1991. I guess it's a funny thing, really, how I can't hear boys to men, even the 90s bedroom countdown and the color blue of Michael McCrary's injection fellas. Without wanting to cry, a real cry, look, I've slipped into the surprise and trap door of my own heartache just like that. The coolie high harmony on repeat in the tape deck as my mom and I drove up to boarding school my first year, 1991. And though I've tried, I can't stop being touched by the borrowed car, my mother's hands, the steering wheel, a kind of clock we moved with toward the finish line. We rode a slow unfurling of ourselves across 120 miles, despite history, despite warnings of colored kids washed by books or kerosene and lie in the white yards of schools far, far from their fathers and the stars. And still, hundreds of us tumbling out of our houses to be half-raised. The ghosts of children from the Paris Indian School did come down from the hills all the way from Riverside to watch the odd quiet of our take leavings their hairs thick with cactus and grave dirt, the prickly pears of their mouths warning, some parts of you will die there. I can still see it all so clearly now. The school gate is a carving knife. This is the future mom chooses for me, and she drives me to my dormitory room different from the one I woke in beside my cousin and small sister, brother sleeping in the trundle. I have been thrown into new orbit. This is an old story. Distance in the name of opportunity. The complicated sacrifice and so on. But I could have stayed home for so long with my people, helped around the house, gotten a job. In Chicago, my mother's hometown, the death toll climbs like a serpent up the red graph. We are 2,000 miles away, but the deaths of black kids everywhere are at her neck. So this is what she chooses for me. I am not gifted 
no more than Angel or Sergeant or Lenara or most anybody, really, but know how to read and to obey the rules of tests. And the academic officer says hope and promise to my mother, whose own mother would not choose my mother who turns her back. And suddenly, the car with her hands is leaving. I think, who will be my parent now as the orange trees dot the coming darkness with their small fires? And not far, the sadness of oaks and dry brush, still the car with her hands leaving. Please stay with me as I replay the last touch, my face buried in her hair and neck, how I am quiet and let her say, this is the best thing, though I disbelieve it even now. She was my mother after all and president of nothing. So I, um, you know Romare Bearden's cycle of um, the Odyssey, the Odyssey cycle? Um, I was a couple of years ago asked, it was a gift, it was an assignment, asked to um, look at some of the paintings that he, like these sketch paintings that he did before the collages um, and to, to write a poem or two. And I kept returning to the one called Circe's Domain, um, where Circe is it's kind of profile, and her arms are down, she's looking out outside. Um, and I kept thinking, so Circe from in Homer's Odyssey, she's known for turning um, Odysseus's men into um, animals and swine. Um, and I kept thinking, like, what, how can I re-see this, this story and what can I discover through the writing of it? And so this too turned out to be a mother poem. <coughs> and the, other, uh, the only other thing I'll say is um, in Spanish, as um, many of you know, um, salir is to leave and sal is salt. Circe to her mother. Also, Circe, in one of the stories, there's so many stories, but in one of the versions of the story, she um, is sent away, she's married off, and then soon after she's married, she um, kills her husband. And so I was thinking about like that, like leaving of home as a way to enter. So Circe to her mother misunderstood what I was trying to reach was you. Where I was raised, always the long dash of horse hair hanging from the wall to swat flies. Frankincense burning in the coffee room, boon. Back home, we lived with the animals, but the grayness of their eyes and death, not just their lives. It was love for home and for you, mother, what caused me this sorcery? Before marriage, there were some horses I knew and hills. I did not want to go from there, from where we were two headed once, 
and then the great wound of birth, and I, by which my seeing is forever read. I wanted you to mother, never let me free. I am home again if I lay on my side beside the sleeping wolves, once men. How like the hills of my childhood, white with snow and brown with the names of trees. Como te puedo decir, leaving was full of salt, was not my verb. Now I cannot bear a kingdom of free things. And um, I'll close with this poem from Teeth, um, which was my first book of poems. And it feels like, you know those pieces that you turn to and you're like, oh my god, that was such it opened up so many things and it still feels like it's it's close to the things that are opening in you now um, so this feels like that and it feels like it happened a while ago and I keep being surprised that it's what it's trying to open still feels so relevant um, no pressure on the poem <laughs> just talking about the process um, it's called um, To the Heart, it's in parentheses, To the Heart Horse. And I also want to say that when I went away to boarding school, we had, um, um, we were each in charge of a horse, that, and we had to, it was this school called Thatcher in California, I don't know if anybody knows about this school. Um, and you had to like muck the, st the stall by 6.30, and you ride for an hour and a half. Um, in the afternoons and you feed and you clean and you and it's supposed to teach you responsibility and give you character and, and it was uh, it was amazing it was one of the it was not traumatic there were other many other traumatic things that was not one of them except that um, my horse um, according to them um, w w was going crazy um, and they turned it out to pasture which is a euphemism um, th they put it they killed it um, and this is just revisiting and thinking about um, freedom, among other things. To the heart, horse. Oh, hooves, who never killed me even once, though there were chances. I remember you on this road through Pennsylvania, fog riding the hills like steam off a horse's neck. Your neck I flew hard over into the dusty sequined air like a rag doll ballet of tendons, acrobat shuffled up by your neck's jubilee. I am sure my heart was kicking, but there was not one afternoon I did not climb back up and shove both feet into the dark yews of your saddle, to the hum I remember now, to the hum of square boxes stacked in the beekeeper's field. My teeth wore grids of red silt kicked up by your lilac stomp work. Maybe I did not love you well enough, or maybe you were just tired or both. But noon after afternoon, for at least 200 days, you tried to tell me something. God knows. Should have just set you loose. 
You were not mine or mine to give away, but still, I should have known that before September, they'd turn you dead for going crazy. You see, even the dog is running in its sleep, and the mind cannot be blamed for its five places at once or the songs that it hears when it is walking. And whose fault is it that the brain is a grenade or a table off of which plates fall? And what animal was I to tell you not to dance, to not have heard the tambourines, their banshees, to have kept you from jackknifing into heaven by the vexed hall over of your own wild feet. Thank you.